0: verses 11 through 18 and uh, one of the reasons pastor jeff's not here uh, it's his 25th anniversary and they're in hawaii and he says he's suffering he's suffering for jesus i told him come on i emailed him he said he wasn't getting any emails i told him you know what poi is anybody i told him to send me some poi tacos that is the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted it's awful but anyway let's pray Hebrews chapter 10 verses 11 through 18 let's just go to the Lord Father we give you praise and honor and glory and Father we are so grateful for those that are here this morning the scripture says where two or three are gathered in your name there you be in the midst Lord teach us this morning that we are complete in Jesus Christ we've just been drawing some tremendous nuggets spiritual nuggets from Uh, the book of Hebrews. It's such a blessing. And Lord, so encourage our hearts. And I pray this morning, Lord, that each one of us have that relationship uh, with this risen Christ, which we know is our Messiah. So Lord, speak to us in clarity. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Hebrews. Let's go to chapter 10 we want to pick up our teaching in verse 11 and bring it into verse 18 we're going to look at this title this topic this morning we are complete in jesus christ now we're going to cover eight verses i'm going to go back up and make some commentary let's just read through verse 11 and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices and i want you to see this Which can never take away sin. But this man, and we know that it's Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, and we know that he prays for us. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstools. That means the time of judgment at the conclusion. Verse 14 For by one offering, he, speaking of Christ, our Messiah, has Perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, and he's going to quote out of Jeremiah chapter 31, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds, and I will write them. And then he adds, their sins, and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Father, as we look at this text this morning, let the power of your Holy Spirit to speak to us, to encourage us, Lord. And Father, we look to you as the author and the finisher of faith. And Lord, I pray that each one of us here have made that commitment to Jesus Christ that he is our Lord and Savior and that we have accepted this complete sacrifice. And if not, we need to step up to the plate. We need to be encouraged and to receive you by faith into our hearts. Lord, speak to us now, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. We are complete in Jesus Christ. I want you to go back up to verse 8. And it just brings us into verse 11 uh, so clear. We finished last week. And basically, remember that the writer of Hebrews, I believe it's Paul the Apostle, and he's drawing from Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. Previously in verse 8, saying sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. He's quoting from Psalm 40, verse 6. The sacrifices that were continued uh, in the temple. What God was looking for, that was a picture, remember? That was a shadow, an outline of the things to come, which was the cross which was the complete sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ. In verse 9, then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. Oh, God, this is Christ now desiring to do the will of the Father. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. He's speaking about the law. Jesus was in obedience to his heavenly Father. He desired to do the will of the Father. And when you go back to the Gospels, you find Jesus three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's going to be the complete sacrifice. But remember, his his incarnation, Jesus is all man. He's all God. And as a man, he doesn't want to suffer. And he prays, Father, if there be any other way, take this cup of death. But if not, let not my will be done. Let your will be done three times. And so Jesus sought the will of the Father. And I think that we need to come to grips with that. If God desires obedience, and we shared that last week, more than sacrifice. You see, Jesus had to die to fulfill the first covenant. The second covenant could not come in until Christ died. And he knew that this was going to take place. This first covenant. Is the Mosaic law, the Old Testament, the laws that were given to Moses, it's replaced now. It's finished now. It's complete now in this second covenant. We drew last week from John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you. Love one another as I have loved you. And so what is this second covenant? It's the law of love. What put Jesus on the cross? Love. What kept Jesus on the cross? Love. What brings us to saving grace? As the Holy Spirit pricks our hearts, we see the love of Christ. And we need that love. And as we come to saving grace, we dispense that love. The world needs to see the love of Christ. Now, we're not talking about Eros love. We're not talking about Phileo love. But we're talking about Agape love. The agape love is divine love. It's unconditional love. It's love that always gives and never wants anything in return. And Jesus gave the ultimate. He gave his death for each one of us. Now look at verse 10. By that will, the will of Christ that he came, by that will, we have been sanctified. Because Jesus died because he was obedient to his Father We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And I want you to mark that and remember that once and for all. We've been teaching uh, through the book of Hebrews. Last couple of weeks, the teachings on the Day of Atonement, the day of Yom Kippur. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And he would offer the sacrifice of this scapegoat, lay hands upon it. And all the sins of the nation, including the sins of the priest, and then release this scapegoat. And they prayed and they hoped that the goat would continue to go into the wilderness. But imagine that you would have to again, wait another year. And then wait for that sacrifice again. And then hope the same thing. But Jesus becomes that complete sacrifice and we're going to see that this morning. We're going to see that this morning. Uh, Now, the priest, the regular priest, the Levitical priest would go in every day to the temple and make a sacrifice in the morning, make a sacrifice in the evening. But that did not forgive our sins. It only covered our sins. Uh, So verse 10. By the will of God, the will of Christ, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That's why we see in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, I want you to see this Greek word sanctification or we are sanctified. He sets us apart after our personal sin salvation. Now, we are set apart from sin, and now, as a Christian, as a believer, as a born-again believer, we are consecrated uh, to God because we've come to that relationship. Now, this morning, we are complete in Jesus Christ. We pick up our study. Look at verse 11, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, and I, I, I love this, which can never take away sin because Jesus is the only one that completes my sin nature. The Old Testament law, the Levitical priest stood before the altar day after day offering the sacrifices that can never take away sin. If you desire, I want you to study this. Exodus chapter 29 and Numbers chapter 28. There would be one scheduled Levitical priest that would make the daily offering in the morning and in the evening. Now, I want you to study this when you get home in Luke chapter 1. and verse 5, it tells us that Zacharias is the scheduled uh, priest of the day to make the offering there in the sacrifices. Now, when the priest made the offering on a daily basis, he would come out and he would speak to the people. Thus saith the Lord. When Zacharias came out, his tongue was held. The Bible says he could not speak for the duration of nine months. His wife, Elizabeth was pregnant with child. We know it was John the Baptist until his birth. Then he spoke because God was bringing in the new prophet. And remember that John is the heralder, the voice crying in the wilderness, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But imagine every day this priest would go in. There was a, a set scheduled priest. Make the offering in the morning, in the evening. That's Exodus chapter 29 Numbers chapter 28. But it only covered the sin. Never completed it. And Jesus completes this sin now. Look at verse 12 as we continue. But this man, he's speaking of Christ, our Messiah, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sits down at the right hand of God, the right hand of majesty, and we're going to read right now jesus sits at the right hand of god and he makes intercession for me that he prays for me that he prays for you i think in our time in our society in our schedules we're such a busy people and god forbid but we do sometimes forget to pray we forget to pray for ourselves I get wrapped up in the studies. I, I, I want to put the study together. I want it to come forth, and I might say a quick prayer. When I should spend some time in prayer, you should spend some time in prayer. Honestly, ask yourself the question. Did you pray this morning before you even came to church? Did you pray, Lord, speak to me, minister to me, let your word penetrate my heart, Lord? And we find ourselves being honest, and we say, Lord, I didn't have time. And the enemy comes against me. The enemy comes against you. And the Bible says that I have an intercessor, that Jesus prays for me. Church, don't forget that this morning. Now, that's not, you know, the carte blanche for you to say, well, I don't have to pray no more if Jesus is praying for me. Oh, the relationship that we should have with the Lord concerning prayer. Now notice verse 12, this man, which is Jesus Christ, the complete perfect sacrifice, offered one sacrifice. He offered himself, and we already studied this, once and for all. For all mankind, sins forever are forgiven. Now Christ, Jesus, since his ascension into heaven, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he now sits at the right hand of God. He sits in the heavenly places next to his Father, and he prays, he intercedes for me. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 35. And it speaks here about God's everlasting love. His love, his compassion. that That Bob has prayed for. Pastor Bob has prayed for by Jesus. That you, put your name in there, he prays for you. No matter what we're going through. The intercession uh, of our Messiah for us. Now, yes, he prays for us when we come to saving grace, but my Bible teaches that he's there constantly praying for us. And again, sometimes we might neglect or forget to pray for ourselves, but he's there. And here in Romans, is so beautiful. In Romans chapter 8, look at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, the enemy... Satan, his demonic realm, they try everything in their power uh, to just take you off base. He wants to tempt us. Oh, he'll remind you you're no good. And I remind him back, I know I'm no good. And that's why I need a savior. And he intercedes for me. But God goes before us, listen, day and night. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. But Jesus prays for us. Look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God the Father gives us all things. Since you've been a Christian, look at the things that God has given us. Look at the blessings that God has brought in our lives. Now, be careful. So many times we think of materialistic. Well, Lord, give me this and give me that. And yet, what about the gift of God saving your spouse, God saving your children? What about the gift of God healing your physical body? God, the Bible says that Jesus provides for us. He takes care of all our needs. In the Old Testament, he is called Jehovah-Jireh. And so the enemy comes, but God is there. Hmm. We know that God did not spare his own son, his only begotten son, but he gave him up for us. If God did not spare his son, that Jesus died for us to give us everything. Why not ask as we pray, Lord, bless me. And you've been a Christian long enough, you'll admit God has blessed me. God has blessed you. Oh, we're going to go through trials and hardships and pain. But look what God has for us. Look at verse 33 now. Who is he who condemns? The enemy condemns us. It is Christ who died for us. And furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who is also making intercession for us. And I love that. That he's praying for me. Church, don't forget that. It seems like this has been coming up uh, the last several Sundays. That he sits at the right hand of majesty and he intercedes for me. He prays for you. Oh, I love that. Lord, keep praying for me. Lord, speak to the Father about me. That's basically what he says. And Look at the trials we go through. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Nothing can take me away from God. Satan will condemn you. The demons will condemn you. But we are justified through Christ. We're born again of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no more condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Now, the Holy Spirit will bring a conviction in my heart if I'm in sin. And the Holy Spirit brings me to that place. Bob, get right with God. You see, our prayer life will be affected if we're in sin. Now, I'm born again of the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says that I sin daily. And so I have an advocate, I have one that goes before me. He's my lawyer, he's my mediator. And this is what he's doing he makes intercession for me he prays for me he prays for you now listen to these words we're going to go through tribulation times of trouble we're going to go through distress and that's calamities and anguish we're going through go to perils listen the word perils is we're going to go through dangers i mean look at our society today I'll tell you what, right now in what is Mexico, there is great danger. There's great danger just walking the streets. Great danger just going to the supermarket. And that's right next door to us. What happens when it begins to filter into the United States? And look at the dangers we see uh, here in our own community. But what about the big metropolitan areas? What about Los Angeles? What about New York? What's going on in Detroit? And the Holy Spirit is still here. What's going to happen after the Holy Spirit takes us home? Now, there's no more condemnation to those in Christ Jesus, yet the Holy Spirit brings conviction. Conviction draws us to the cross. Condemnation draws us away from God. God loves us. He forgives us. He bestows His grace upon us. Now, when I sin and I do, when you sin and you do, we have two choices. Either we can run to God or we can run from God. And I tell you, when we run from God, before you know it, we find ourselves farther and farther and farther. You see, the writer of the book of Hebrews, I believe it's Paul the Apostle. There are those that disagree. Let's come to an agreement. The Holy Spirit. As he would dictate to pen the letter, he's speaking to the Hebrew Christians. They were going through much struggles. Back in Hebrews chapter 2, he chided them concerning some were slipping away. We know that in about four years in 70 AD, Titus and the Roman army would come and level Jerusalem and the temple, and the Jews would be scattered. Christian Jews and Orthodox Jews. They would be scattered. And they needed to trust God. Look at the trials we have in our own country, and it's going to get worse. We need to trust God. Now let's go back to our text. Look at verse 13, Hebrews chapter 10. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. He's speaking about from the time of the Old Testament until, I believe, the book of Acts. When the church comes in to play, that's the second covenant. But the conclusion, I believe at the end of the time of the tribulation, those that are going to be judged will stand before their maker. Now, that's not the great white throne judgment. That's at the conclusion of the 1,000-year reign of God. Now, let's look at verse uh, 13 again. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. He is quoting from Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, Jesus quoted this exact verse. Write it down. Matthew 24, verse 44. Mark 12, verse 36. Luke chapter 20, verse 43. An important verse. From the time of Jesus' ascension into heaven uh, until the day of judgment, when those that rejected salvation through Jesus Christ, they will stand before him, Jew and Gentile, and they will be judged. Now, that's not the great white throne judgment. But I want you to work this down. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Judgment of the nations after the tribulation. That passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 25 is the separation of the goats and the sheep. Now, the Bible says that God calls us sheep and the sheep that go astray. He left the 99 sheep and he went after the one. Now, I remember years ago, listening to a pastor come and teach at our church, and he went through that passage in Matthew chapter Twenty-five verses 31 through 46. And he came to this conclusion. He says, either you're a sheep or you're a goat. And man, that never left me. And if you're a sheep, you're part of God's flock. If you're a goat, you're going to be judged. And I remember walking out of that church that day. I said, I don't want to be a goat. I want to be a sheep. And our kids came home from Sunday school and they were singing that song. They were singing that song, that song, I want to be a sheep, not a goat, because a goat ain't got no hope. (laughs) You see, I still remember those things. Why is it I forget other things? I don't understand. Now, he's not finished yet. Look at verse 14. This is where we draw our teaching. We are complete in Jesus Christ. Uh, The writer uses the word perfection or perfected, and it's the word completion in the Greek. For by one offering... Not every day that the priest would go in or once a year, uh, at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. But for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. This is for those who will not be judged. Those that will not partake of Matthew chapter uh, 25, the judgment or the great white throne judgment. And, and he says, this is for those who who will not be judged, not made his footstool. Why? Because by one offering, once and for all, Jesus is that offering. He, Jesus Christ, perfected us. The word perfection is better completeness. He completed us, listen now, forever. Notice that those who are being sanctified and so set apart, consecrated unto God. We are complete when we're born again of the Holy Spirit. But here the Greek structure is saying that we're being uh, sanctified. We're being uh, perfected. We're not through yet, church. Well, We're born again of the Holy Spirit. I'm not complete yet. It's a continuous thing. Now I'm saved. And I'll get into the kingdom of God, and so will you. If we're born again of the Holy Spirit. But he's completing us. You see, I can't enter heaven with this body. Neither can you. This body must die, must fade away. Because we cannot get into heaven with this natural, physical flesh body. But one day when we die, the Bible says that our spirit and our soul will go home to be with the Lord. And then God is going, I believe strongly, he's going to give us a new body. That's the day when we will be the finished product. Right now we're being completed. But one day the finished product, this is all through Jesus' precious blood. Now the day that we are complete, we know that Jesus died for us. We know that he is our mediator. He is our Messiah. He is the bridge builder between God and man. But one day God will see us in a full, complete, mature state when we are presented to him by his son, Jesus Christ. Not an imperfect state, which we are now, but we're complete then. Remember, we are being sanctified, being completed. Finished product will be in heaven. One day we will be in heaven with our new and complete glorified bodies. Now, we've been sharing this as we've been developing these studies. In Matthew chapter 17 is the picture of our glorified bodies. Jesus goes up into the Mount of Transfiguration, and he takes Peter, James, and John with him. And there in the Mount of Transfiguration, these disciples see the risen Christ and his glorified body. They see Moses and Elijah in their glorified bodies. And what's beautiful about that is that Peter recognizes them. In fact, Peter says, let us make booths for them. Peter wanted to make an altar for them. But Jesus was showing them the future. That we would not get into heaven with this body. But yet, they recognize. Obviously, they saw Jesus. But they recognize Jesus. Elijah and Moses. Elijah representing the prophets and Moses representing the law. But they're in their glorified bodies, church. One day, we will be in our glorified bodies. Those of you that are older, you understand now. You see, the moment we are born, even as a baby, we begin to die. This body begins to die, like it or not. You have grandparents and they're up in age, you can see it. But one day we'll put on that new body. I can't get to heaven with this body. I need that glorified body. It's a beautiful picture now. But by one offering, which is Christ, he has perfected for those who are being sanctified. We're complete now, but we're being completed. The finished product is yet to come. I like that. Now, look at verses 15 and 16, and he's going to take us to the prophecy that was given in Jeremiah chapter 31. And we're going to go there in just a minute. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. How do I know that these things are so? The Holy Spirit is my teacher, but the Holy Spirit is also witnesses to us uh, for all after he has said before. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. Here's the new covenant. Listen, I will put my laws in their heart and in their minds. I will write them besides all this. You see, we carry around our Bible. Now, for the Old Testament saints, it was everything, uh, the law, the Ten Commandments. And even today, there are those that, you know, well, I have the Ten Commandments on my wall. Well, do you accomplish what the Ten Commandments say? The Bible says we cannot complete the Old Testament law. will fail miserably. And so the first covenant is replaced with the second covenant, which is Christ. Now, Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law, but I came to complete it. I came to fulfill the law. We have to understand that. Now, let's get back to verse 16 or verse 15. The Holy Spirit testifies that this is a fact. The Holy Spirit says, This new covenant I will make with my people, Jew and Gentile, on that day. The Lord says, I will put my law in their hearts so they will understand them, and I will write them in their minds so they will obey them. And so this is what the Bible teaches. You know, we can boast. I have a beautiful Bible. I have a big Bible. I have a leather-bound Bible. I have all the marks in it. You know, I have, you know, the... Well, that's good, but have we placed it in our hearts? Have we placed it in our hearts? When we were kids, remember the big Bible, the mantle? My mom just, don't touch it. And beautiful doily she had under there. Oh, God forbid if we ever put a soda can on top of it, she would kill us. But you didn't want to touch and They were white, remember? And so she knew when our dirty hands were on it. But we never opened it. It just sat there. And I talked to so many people. And I, I had a lady that says, we go to my mom's, it's still there. God desires to write his word, listen, on your heart, on my heart. He desires to write his word on your mind, your very soul. Beautiful picture when we begin to see this. Now, I want you to turn before we go to Jeremiah, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. He writes his word in our hearts. I had a preacher years ago say, do you realize that you are walking epistles? People watch you. God's written his word on you, and people watch you. And some people will never open the scriptures, but they see your life. they, They see the power of God working in and through you. And so listen to what Paul says in verse 1, 2 Corinthians 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? He's asking a question. Or do we need, like some people, listen, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Do we need credentials? Do we need to walk around with a sign, I'm born again, of the Holy Spirit? They should see the power of God working in and through you. Look at verse 2. You yourselves are our letter, Paul says. You are our epistle, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. He writes his word on our hearts. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You know, church, we don't have to tell people we are Christian. Now, if they ask you, we can respond. I'm a Christian. I'm born again of the Holy Spirit. Because if you're living the life of righteousness, it's going to be shown in your life, in your action, in your words, in your deeds. There's something about you. Are you a Christian? Yes. Well, what is it? I'm a born again Christian. The Holy Spirit leads me and guides me into all truth. Now, honestly, I heard this years ago. There's this kind of glory of God, it, it should be part of your life. And there are those that say, I see the glow. And, you know, when I first heard that, you know, we I think of the dogs, you know, the Alpo glow. No, it should be the glow of the Holy Spirit. And honestly, I do see people, and you could say, you know what, that's a Christian. And how does it reveal to you? Listen, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice that people will see that you are a letter from God. The result of uh, Paul's ministry is saying to the Corinthians, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, but the tablets of your human heart. (laughs) They're going to know you by God's love. There's an old song that we used to sing, they will know we are Christians by our love. They will know you are Christians because of the love of Christ in you. Now, Paul, the writer of the book of Hebrews, or the Holy Spirit, has been drawing here. He wants to write God's word on your hearts, and he's drawing from Jeremiah. I want you to turn there if you haven't. Jeremiah chapter 31, look at verse 31 with me. Here's the prophecy that this was going to come to pass. Now, it's interesting that the Holy Spirit shows us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. Now, let me just give you a little insight about Jeremiah. He was a powerful prophet, but they were not listening to Jeremiah. Jeremiah had a nickname. He was called the weeping prophet. He wept for the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel did not like Jeremiah. Oftentimes they would beat him. Oftentimes they would put him in stocks. In fact, he was found many times to be put in cisterns. Those were those cut out rocks that held water. And there was no more water. They would throw him into muddy cistern. This was the nation of Israel because Jeremiah was prophesying the word of God. They didn't like it. They wanted to continue in their sin. He was called the weeping prophet. Listen, in 55 years. There was no converts in Jeremiah's ministry. You know, I thank the Lord for the people that he sends Sunday after Sunday here. But imagine preaching for 55 years. No converts. Now, uh, he brings it forth here. This is the new covenant now. No longer, you know, tablets on the wall, uh, the tablets of stone. But it's written on your hearts. And Jeremiah 31, look at verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, saith the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. They're a divided nation at this time. You had the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke. Though I was a husband to them, saith the Lord. Now if you're taking notes, back in Exodus chapter 19 and Exodus chapter 20. Moses is in Mount Sinai and he's receiving the tablets of the law. And then he gives the law to the people. Look at verse 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people that's the new testament covenant jew and gentile as we come to christ the messiah he's going to write his law he's going to write his word in our minds and in our hearts that's why i believe paul was speaking of there in second corinthians chapter three walking epistles walking epistles that god's word it's not here in the scriptures yes it is but he wants to write it in our hearts and even sometimes we memorize scripture and pervade them, we can memorize. I've known people that are very good at memorizing. But what good is it? Listen, if we memorize the Scripture, but it's not in your heart. What good is it if I know the Scripture and it's not in your heart? Well, I can recite John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. Great. But is it in your heart? Those that call upon the name of the Lord. Great. But is it in your heart? You see, I, I believe too many times we have a head knowledge, but have we transferred it? He wants to write His word in our minds, and He wants to write in our hearts. Oh, God wants to get our hold of our heart. Ezekiel said that God wants to give us a new heart, a heart after His heart. That was King David. Oh, beautiful. Now, Again, verse 33, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God. They shall be my people. Verse 34, No more shall every man teach his neighbor, because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them uh, to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. This is possible. Listen for the last 2000 years through Jesus Christ our complete sacrifice that God desires to place his word in my mind and in my heart that's why it is so important as we come into the church here we study God's word oh i want to know God's word i'll tell you what we we need to have it written in our hearts you know, I see some of the kids now, and and you'll see even the uh, young adults, and they like to tattoo scriptures on themselves. Well, that's great. Tattoo it all you want. Put John 3.16 on your chest if that's what you want. But is it in your heart? Is it in your heart? Imagine going to hell with scripture on your skin, but not in your heart. Not in your heart. So important. Now, look at verse 17. He continues. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Man, if we have come to the complete sacrifice. The Bible says he takes our sins as far as east as to west. And he places them literally in the sea of forgetfulness. If I've come to saving grace, it's a done deal. Once and for all, he died for me. Notice. Their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. The word sin is harmatia. And in the Greek, it means to miss the mark. It was an archer's term. And so they would take their, you know, bow and arrow and they would cast it. And when they would miss the mark, they would say, harmatia, you have sinned. And that's exactly what we do when we miss the mark, which is Christ. We have sinned. And he will also... Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Lawless deeds, when you violate the laws of God, bottom line, we are all sinners needing a Savior. If we come to Christ our Messiah, Jew or Gentile, He will remember our sins no more. This verse shows us the riches of divine grace and the sufficiency of Christ's sanctification that it needs not to be repeated. This is his death now. Jesus died once and for all, and we're complete in Christ. And as we shared earlier, I'm complete now. I'm born again of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go to heaven. You're going to go to heaven. But we are still being completed. We're not a finished product yet until we get to Christ in heaven. Because I cannot get into the kingdom of God with this body. You cannot get into the kingdom of God with that body. And so the process. And isn't that basically our life? We come into this world as a baby. And our moms, our dads, they nurture us, they feed us. And as Paul and Peter brought it forth perfectly, we partake of the milk of the word. But the time comes when we need the meat. And as a child, I grow into my adolescent years, and look at all the mistakes we made as young teens, and then how mistakes we made as young adults, we thought we knew it all. And finally, as we get older, we we realize our mistakes, and we realize, but we've been growing. We, we begin, you know, we begin, we have been progressing. That's what I'm trying to say. That's our Christian walk. We are continually progressing progressing until the finished product now he brings it to the conclusion in verse 8 it's so beautiful now where there is where there is remission of these there is no longer an offering for sin there has been that complete remission now because of Christ. He paid the full price for me because the blood of Jesus Christ has done away with all our sins. Listen, we shared this many times. He forgives our sins at the cross, past, present and future. All I need to do is come to him. There is no longer a need for offerings to be made to receive forgiveness. He paid the price 2,000 years ago. The complete forgiveness of sin through the born-again experience, that is the characteristic of the New Testament covenant. Jeremiah prophesied there in chapter 31, the complete pardon of sins promised. Since the pardon is complete, there is no place for any more sacrifices under the new covenant. And now he places his word, his law on my heart and on my mind. You see, church, it's a done deal. That's why I should live the Christian life. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Bob, that's wrong what you're doing. And I ask God to forgive me, and sometimes over and over. Oh, I'm a cleansed vessel. I've come to the cross, but I make mistakes. Who doesn't? It's called grace, church. Unmerited favor. I deserve judgment, but he gives me grace. Now, the animal sacrifices were a picture of the complete sacrifice, which is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let me give you these last scenario of verses. In Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, verse 21, God gives the first animal sacrifice for Adam and Eve. He gave them coats of skin. There had to be an animal sacrifice. God did this, the first animal sacrifice. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We know that that complete sacrifice now is Christ. But even back in Genesis, we see the picture. Now, the completion is found in John chapter 19, verse 30 again. Jesus said as he's hanging on the cross, he's getting ready to give up the ghost, and he looks up into the heavens. He knows now. And he says to the Father, it is finished. Remember, we've been sharing. That is the cry of victory. It is finished. To tell a story in the Greek. It is finished. It's complete. The complete sacrifice now. No more high priest to go in once a year in the Day of Atonement or the Day of Yom Kippur. No more Levitical priests to go in every day to make a sacrifice once in the morning, once in the evening. No more. The complete sacrifice is Christ. And what does he do to our sins when we come to the cross? Write this down in Psalm 103, verse 12. I've mentioned this many times. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression or our sins from us. Here's the promise. I come to the cross. You come to the cross. I ask for forgiveness. He takes our sins. Past, present, future. And he cast them into the sea. He cast them as far as east as to west. Now, the enemy will condemn you. But the Bible says no more condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. The enemy will bring back dates to you. Ah, remember 19, such and such, what you did? And I tell you, I've learned to respond, I remember. But Jesus has forgiven me. Jesus has forgiven me. I am covered, listen, by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, his precious blood. Now, these last two verses, you should know them. In Joel chapter 2, verse 32, and in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, Paul reiterates what Joel prophesied. In Joel chapter 2, verse 32, it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then Paul brings it back, Romans 10, 13, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A lady in the first service this morning, she comes up to me, and she says, Pastor Bob, one of my family members is in the hospital. He's in El Paso. He's in life support, you know, system. They said the only thing that's working is his heart. They said that his brain is gone. Can he repent? I says, you know, it's interesting that you share that. Because the Bible says nothing is impossible with God. I tell you, when somebody is, you know, comatose, And they say, well, you can go in there and touch them. You can go in there, and you know we stroke the hair. And uh, I mean, the body's there, but nothing's working. Hey, the power of God. When my friend had an aneurysm, and Mary and I were there, they told us he was dead. I went into his room, and I grabbed a hold of his hand, and I said to him, "I'm going to tell you straight up. I said you're dying. Doctors told me you're you're going to be dead." I says, you need to receive Christ. I shared with him before. I says, if you can hear me, squeeze my hand. God is my witness. He squeezed my hand. You see, what does it take? Those that call upon the name of the Lord. What happens when somebody is looking at a head-on collision? Split second, oh, God, forgive me. Somebody knows that plane is going down. Oh, God, forgive me. Now, if you have the time, You're on your way to the hospital. You've just been in a horrific crash. You hear the paramedics say, no chance. You call upon the name of the Lord. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, wash me in your blood. You don't say it verbally. It's in your heart. God hears the cry. And I told that woman this morning, I said, sister, listen, you go pray for that love. And you go up to his ear and you pray. Before you go, receive Jesus. Receive Je- See, that's none of my business. That's none of your business. That's where God comes in. My place is to bring it forth, but the power of the Holy Spirit. Joel said, you know, those that call upon the name of the Lord. Then Paul reiterates in the book of Romans, those that call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon that complete sacrifice once I don't have to wait for the high priest. I don't have to wait uh, for the Levitical priest every day. What a beautiful promise that we have in this complete sacrifice now. Once and for all, Jesus died. Imagine coming in Sunday morning. Well, I hope Jesus dies for me this morning. He already did. All we have to do is receive it. Receive it how? By faith. How did Abraham come to know God? Jesus hadn't died yet. The Bible says Abraham believed by faith. When we get to Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the faith chapter. All those that came to God in the Old Testament, they came by faith. Those that come to God in the New Testament, same thing. Even us here this morning, we come to God by faith. Lord, I believe in your complete sacrifice. That's all it takes. Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Don't make it hard even on yourself. Praise God. We're going to draw some more in the book of hebrews let's stand we'll end with a word of prayer father thank you for the message of hope our hope in christ jesus lord that you complete us with your precious blood and then lord we know that we're not a finished product yet one day you're going to give us a new body One day you're going to take us into the kingdom of God. Lord, we know that uh, there's an appointed time for, for man to die, then the judgment. Either we're going to die physically or you're going to take us home in the rapture of the church. Either way, Lord, we're going to go home to be with you. And I believe you're going to give us those new bodies. But, Lord, in the meantime, while we're here on this earth, you're going to place your word in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, this morning that each one of us have made that commitment to Jesus. And if we have not made that commitment to Christ, we need to take heed to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. I want to give that opportunity. I always like to do that. If you're here this morning with every eye closed, every head bowed, maybe you have not made that commitment to Christ. If that's you this morning, you'd like to receive Jesus. You'd like to receive that complete sacrifice. I'm not going to ask you to come up, but right there where you're at. Here's your opportunity to come into the kingdom of God Raise your hand, and I'll say a simple prayer. Anybody here this morning would like to receive Christ. Don't leave here without Christ, with that complete sacrifice. Real quick, anybody would like to receive? Praise the Lord. We're all Christian, and let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, I don't want to uh, leave without giving that opportunity. Even in a small group like this this morning, we never know. And so, Father, I thank you that each one of us here this morning have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We are born again of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for salvation, Lord. And Lord, now uh, complete us in your word. Lord, continue to uh, just write your word in our hearts and in our minds, in our very souls, Lord. Lord, bless your people this morning. Each and every one, Lord, bless us. Lord, we ask blessings upon blessings. Father, we thank you. Lord, we pray for each individual here this morning. We pray for the spouses. We pray, Lord, for the marriages. We pray, Lord, for our children. Our children are being raised in in a corrupt society. It is our place to train up a child in the ways of the Lord. Lord, bless the offerings this morning. As you've given to us, Lord. We give back a portion. We love you because you first loved us. While we were yet sinners, Paul reminds us as he writes to the, to the Romans, while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Lord, bless your people now. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And we all agree by saying amen. Praise the Lord.